is Alex Grinch getting some coaching help? And the University of Southern California, they had the best trio of running backs on one roster ever in the history of college football. You are Locked On Trojans, your daily podcast on the USC Trojans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Right on, everyone. I'm your host, Mark Colkin, and thank you for making Locked on USC your first listen every day. Whether you're watching on YouTube or wherever you like to download your podcast, we are free, and I really appreciate your support. I hope you're enjoying the show. If you're watching on YouTube and you haven't done it yet, do me a favor. Hit that red subscribe button. It would mean a whole heck of a lot. And as always, a very sincere thank you to all of you who already have. All right. This episode... Is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. You can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching up your open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences that help create and achieve your 2023 goals. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. I'll tell you why USC uh, is still the best real shortly. First, um, look, you all asked for more defensive help. Well, it looks like Lincoln Riley heard your screams, and he's getting more involved with the defensive staff, like he said he would. So, um, he brought Alex Grinch some coaching help. According to various sources, Bookie Radley Hiles has joined USC's program in a grad assistant capacity. Um, Look, I know that's not what all of you were hoping for, but it's a start, right? Uh, it's it look, Lincoln Riley, Alex Grinch, they're going back to some familiarity, what feels comfortable. Bookie played at uh, Oklahoma for Alex Grinch and Lincoln Riley for three years, excuse me, uh, before he transferred to the University of Washington. For his final uh, final season in college, and here here's what's really cool is he knows what's expected in Alex Rich's defense. That's the positive. Uh, he you're not going to have to teach him what Alex is looking for. Again, it goes back to that comfortability, that familiarity. Whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing, we'll, we'll talk about that. I think all that anyone cares about is whether or not he can help um, with USC tackling. Uh, and can he help develop, you know, the talent that's being upgraded, that's being brought in? Per, you know, I, look, maybe he's going to you know, work with the Nickelbacks. That's... Uh, I think people would agree that Bookie was a uh, wasn't the biggest guy, <laughs> and he's still not the biggest guy uh, in college. In, you know, he was what five eight, five nine on a good day, but he played with a ton of energy um, every snap. I mean, the dude was like, uh, he's one of those uh, Max Williams type of players. You know, he's got that pit bull mentality. And if you watch his tape, go back. Um, 
you'll notice it. And he was always around the ball, and he, he always he always wanted to be involved in the run game. Very physical player for, especially for a guy his size. Um, so while he had all that energy and he liked to be around the ball and make plays, sometimes being um, having a lot of uh, energy, too much energy, it may have led to some of his personal foul penalties that he had. He. Bookie had some mixed results at Oklahoma. He was one of those players you, uh, you either loved him, you hate him, or you hated him. There was really no in between. Uh, in his, he played 35 games at Oklahoma, and he had what 115 career tackles. Uh, nine of those were a tackle for loss. He graded out well, but um, and he was he was a great locker room guy, which is real important. And even when he went into the transfer portal, Lincoln Riley was hoping that he would come back. But I don't think, and this is what happens when you're when you're ranked really highly at high school, you come in with a lot of expectations and pressures. And I'm not sure he maybe I'm not sure he lived up to those expectations uh, while he was at Oklahoma. And let's be honest, the fans in Oklahoma can. Uh, they can put up some pretty high expectations. <laughs> I guess that's a they're passionate. That's a good way of putting it. Uh, as I mentioned, you know, being familiar and trusting the people uh, that that he surrounds himself with, that's really high on Lincoln Riley's priority list. But again, that could be uh, that could end up being his detriment in the in the in the end. Um, He's remember Lincoln Riley says he has complete confidence and he knows that Alex Grinch is going to get this defense turned around. He, he's just confident in his abilities. So I think he's going to, uh, he bookie was hanging around the, the program last year. I would say probably the last six games of the season. I noticed him at every practice. Uh, you know, I'm not sure what he was doing there, in what capacity. Obviously, he was kind of getting his feet wet. So it was good. It was good having him around then. And like I said, he can come in, he could help Alex Grinch around with the safety at that position. Um, and that might help out free up Alex to, you know, focus on the defense as well. So the timing of Bookie being a GA on the program couldn't be better either because there was a lot of recruits that stopped by uh, over the weekend. So Here's a few other news and notes um, from the weekend as we head into the 2023 February signing day. God, it's not a big deal, but it's going to be here on Wednesday, February 1st. Uh, January has been a really busy month for on-campus visits. Uh, you, Lincoln Riley and his staff, they're trying to get as many of the guys on campus before the dead period kicks back in. And before spring camp starts up in March, I believe I think that they're going for March twenty second is the uh, is the date we're shooting for. So, um, again, they're they're just recruiting like uh, like madmen right now. They're all over the place. They're visiting high schools. They're having guys on campus. This past weekend, as you're watching this episode of Locked on USC on Monday, because we come at you five days a week, they had. Um, the number one ranked quarterback in the 2024 class, Dylan Rayola, he uh, he was there for an unofficial visit. And from all the reports, uh, he had a great time. More importantly, 
his mom had a great time. You, you know what it is. Once you get mom on board, everything else is cake. It's gravy. His dad had visited USC with him last year. So having mom out here this time, big time, huge. And uh, he was on campus on Saturday for about five hours, and he spent all of it with Lincoln Riley. Quote, I just got to hang out with Coach Riley the whole day. Uh, this is what he told on threes Chad Simmons. When I first got there, the whole staff greeted me outside, recruiting people, everybody. So from when I first got there, it felt different. My mom got to experience for the first time, and I'm glad I got to bring her because I want her to experience it, and she loved it, end quote. He continued, it didn't feel like a recruiting trip. It felt natural, and that I could just talk to him about anything. We did the film stuff, and then we just went over to the Coliseum, and he came, and was just, he was just such a cool guy to be around. I feel really comfortable just talking to him about anything. I feel like a relationship just in those five hours shot through the roof and we clicked even more. So, and even though this, you know, USC still has Malachi Nelson already on campus enrolled, 2023, number one quarterback in the country, uh, that's not stopping Riley from pushing and making Dylan a, a priority. Uh, this is from Dylan. Quote, he only recruits one quarterback, and I think that's special because pretty that pretty much every other place doesn't do that. Him recruiting one quarterback shows a lot in how much of a priority I am to him and all of the USC program. It speaks volumes to me, and it shows you how successful he is with quarterbacks. All of his quarterbacks are in the league, and how he is able to use his playmakers and develop quarterbacks in a system like his, I think that's really rare. You can't find that everywhere, end quote. Uh, he then all, also went on to say, the highlight was probably just being around my family and seeing what they have in their program and bringing my mom. Of course, she's going to be a big part of my decision. I know they loved it. My mom loved it. She was blown away. My dad has obviously been there before, but he, he was blown away too. And my brother is still a little kid and I love it. He was talking it all like, like he was an eight-year-old kid. So uh, here's what's really cool about this. Uh, he's not going to have a long time, you know, he's not going to have any chance to to let that, uh, that feeling disperse because while Dylan lives in Arizona, right now he's training down the street from USC. Uh, so again, it's going to be hard to shake those good vibes from this visit, uh, which by the way, it wasn't his first and it's not going to be his last. As Dylan said, I love the USC program and I love the Trojans. I actually had trouble sleeping last night because I was so excited from a visit. I'm definitely going to be back out here again. I'm training at 3D quarterback and they're like 30 minutes from USC. Getting around the program more and more. I think it's such a special program and I could definitely see myself playing for Coach Riley. So. USC is getting a familiar coaching hire on defense, grad assistant, Bookie Radley Hiles. Uh, he's not only familiar with the system, he's going to kill it on recruiting. And the future appears to be really bright at the recruiting front, as we just heard from 2024, Dylan Rayola. We have 2023 already enrolled in Malachi Nelson. Look, lately, USC has been all about quarterbacks and wide receivers, but 
what happened to the running back era? Remember that? Remember that way back when Reggie Bush, Rondell White, and before then. Well, that's what's coming up next on Lockdown USC. First, hey, check this out: FanDuel. The NFL playoffs are here, and we're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they are the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's cool. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. If you're a new customer, go join today. And when you get started, you're going to get $150 in free bets, and that's guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to the point spreads to player prop bets. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So, football fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, here we go. Segment two. Hey, before we get into that, Locked On is heading to the Senior Bowl. I didn't know if you knew about that. This is new. I'm just finding out. Get inside analysis from the hosts that covered the NFL's next generation in college and find out which NFL draft boards these players will be climbing all in one location. Subscribe to Locked On NFL Draft for nightly live shows from the Senior Bowl on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, starting at 9 p.m. Eastern. Now, I'm probably wearing the Cardinal in gold a little bit too close to the vest here um, because Miami... Auburn and Arkansas, uh, those programs, their fans, they could probably make a really strong argument uh, that at one time or another, they had running back rooms that were better than USC's best. And we know that USC has had some of the best ever, going back in the history of college football. Yeah. But if we're going to talk college and pros, if we're going to combine it, Let's take USC's trio from the year 1978 roster. They had Charles White. He was a first-round NFL draft pick. He was a Heisman winner. Pretty decent NFL career with the uh, LA Rams, Cleveland Browns. They had Marcus Allen, first-round NFL draft pick, Heisman Trophy Award winner, NFL Super Bowl MVP, among other MVPs. Number three on that roster, you might not remember the name. He wasn't really a tailback, but he got the ball. He carried it a lot, and he definitely earned his keep. The name Lynn Kane. He was a fourth-round NFL draft pick for the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, he was the starting fullback on that 1978 team. Oh, by the way, they won a national championship that year. So sharing the backfield with Lynn was a Heisen winner. Charles White. I mean, not bad. <laughs> and you had a you had Marcus Allen. I think he was a freshman. Yeah, pretty good. Now, with that said, how about Auburn? 
they could they could brag about Cadillac Cadillac Williams. They had Ronnie Brown, Brandon Jacobs, Trey Smith. They were on one roster. All of those guys, really good, great college running backs. Not a ton of pro stats or or, or one Heisman among the group. Um, and they had, you know, one more guy to choose from. You know, they, they had four on the roster. That's pretty damn good. Uh, however, USC beat Auburn both times they played, including when they owned them on the Plains. And I believe those guys were on that roster at the time. So they couldn't have been the greatest ever. <clears throat> yeah. You know, if you want, go to YouTube and check out um, Mr. Crittenden, who was a defensive tackle for Auburn. Type in the words, oh, Mr. Crittenden, USC Auburn. One of the greatest videos you'll ever watch. Get back to me. Let me know what you think. Uh, Arkansas, I mentioned them. They can scream pig suey all night about Darren McFadden, Felix Jones, Peyton Hillis. All these guys, great, great college running backs. And had a modicum of success at the pro level. Um, but once again, not a Heisman among them. They never beat USC. All those guys were on the same roster when they played USC as well. USC beat them both times. In fact, when Arkansas came to the Coliseum, uh, USC's offense put up 70 points against Arkansas. And they almost killed Traveler that day, making him run the Coliseum. You know, if you don't know, if you're not aware, if you're not a USC fan, USC's mascot, Traveler, the white horse, anytime they score a touchdown, he comes out of the tunnel and he runs the Coliseum sideline behind the bench, up and down. He had to do that 100-yard sprint 10 times, times two. So that's 200 yards times 10 in one game. They almost killed that horse. It's a lot of yards in one game. 2,000. Put that in perspective. Marcus Allen did that in one year. None of those guys that I've mentioned so far those other schools have. <clears throat> and oh, by the way, those guys were also non-factors when USC played them in Fayetteville the following year when USC put up 50 points. I think Arkansas's offense put up 14 points at home. And if I remember correctly, and I'm not even, we're not even talking about these guys at this moment. USC had a couple of running backs named Reggie Bush and Lundell White on a roster when they played Arkansas and Auburn. <clears throat> yeah. So, <laughs> how do you like them apples? Then there's Miami. The U. They probably have the strongest argument here. They can trot out on one roster. Clinton Portis, Willis McGahee, Frank Gore, Najee Davenport. If we're talking about great college running back groups, this is a really, really good one, especially if we're talking what they did professionally. But this is the college act, but it's the college accolades that I think kind of tip the scales towards USC. Again, that's why USC is known as Heisman U and the NFL 
and the NFLU gets the ever so slight nod over Miami. Um, but again, Miami could make a really good claim that they had the best college running, running back room at one time. Now, these guys not may not have been on the roster at the same time at USC, but the lineage from Anthony Davis to Ricky Bell to Charles White to Marcus Allen, that might be one of the greatest eras ever. From 1974 to 1981, no one dared call themselves tailback you. Nobody. So with the transfer portal and NIL now working together hand in hand, I don't think we're ever going to see that kind of running back talent in the same room at the same time again. Uh, and probably not, be and most likely probably because the passing game has become such a huge part of the, of offenses, both college and pro. And, you know, more, wide receivers can touch the ball more in the game than a running back. So running backs are going to spread their talent a little bit more thin amongst rosters across the country. Um, so it's, it's just harder to split carries amongst, can you imagine having Arkansas or Miami's running back room today? I don't know if it'll happen. It's tough. So should Lincoln Riley or, or any head coach be complaining about NIL or the transfer portal? We're going to talk about that more in the next segment. Okay. The NCA is starting to uh, put up some guardrails for NIL. Pages, quote, pages of guidelines are worthless unless they can be enforced, one college coach said. In a uh, story from On3, the NCA, um, I'm speaking right now, but the, uh, there's a story on On3 talking about uh, the transfer portal and NIL's impact on the recruiting trail. So the NCA is kind of, they're, they're attempting to clean it up where they're, they're going to try to. Good luck, I guess, right? Um, so according to Matt Winter, who is a sports attorney and NIL expert at Kenny Hertz Perry LLC, the NCAA has disseminated a memorandum that further details the standard review for violations related to NIL activities. Back in November, or excuse me, back in December, Oklahoma coach Brent Venable said rival programs, quote, waived money opportunities, end quote, at Sooner commits and top targets down the stretch. Nebraska, new Nebraska head coach Matt Rule, uh, who's coming back to the college game after three years in the NFL, uh, said NIL is being, quote, misused and mishandled in a lot of places, end quote. And I mentioned Lincoln Riley. He even openly admitted that USC, um, they lost out on recruits this cycle because of NIL. And look, when you when those guys say something great, people are like, whatever. You're, we need to hear it from somebody who maybe has a little bit more clout than, than Brent Venables, Matt Rule, even Lincoln Riley. So... When Nick Saban gets involved or says something, it's going to get ears. He allegedly told two of his players, again, I'm talking to, these are my words, to pound sand, I guess, um, because they asked for more than they were worth. 
According to OutKick, Nick Saban had no problems letting a top recruit and one of his own players go recently after they asked for over $1 million combined from the school, NIL collectives, whatever. Uh, apparently, he was at a Alabama coaching convention um, when he said, quote, someone with one of the best corners in the nation in high school came to me and asked if if we would pay them $800,000 for the player to sign here. I told him he can find another place to play. According to Baker High School coach Steve Normand, I'm not paying a kid a bunch of NIL money before he earns it. End quote. Saban would later add uh, he's lost 10 players, including a starter to the portal already. Quote, one of them wanted $500,000 and for us to get his girlfriend into law school at Alabama and pay for it as well, I showed him the door, Saban said. <laughs> so, for all of you who are upset uh, that USC is, isn't paying high school recruits, um, one of the best ever feels the same way. So, if, it, if Nick Saban is willing to tell high school recruits you got to earn it before you can ask for it. I think it's okay if Lincoln Riley and USC play the game the same way. Here's the problem. Uh, Nick Saban, in my opinion, he's being a hypocrite. Uh, since, and I'm, I'm being sarcastic here, uh, all of those players that come to Alabama, they're still getting a Dodge Charger when they get to their dorm room. Don't forget, Nick Saban owns a Dodge dealership. I think it's across the street from the university. And um, another recruiting anecdote. Um, I also know family members, parents, uh, who've moved to the Tuscaloosa area over the years. And, you know, they they suddenly become real estate agents really fast. They pass, the, they pass that exam overnight and all of a sudden they're selling listings left and right without any challenges well that's how it used to be now the nca is starting to get its tentacles involved uh, but the language they're starting to roll out you know it's it's the nca so it's going to be vague and it's the nca i'm not even sure how they intend to enforce anything nevertheless um, in part, the memo states that when available information supports the behaviors leading up to, surrounding, and or related to an NIL agreement or activity contrary to NCAA legislation or the interim NIL policy, then the enforcement staff and committee on infractions shall presume a violation occurred. Plus, it says that to rebut the presumption of a violation, the institution must clearly demonstrate that all behaviors complied with NCA legislation and the interim policy, that information mirrors earlier guidance and isn't entirely new. Nonetheless, it is interesting the NCA felt it was important enough to restate and outline what a presumed violation is. You can go read the story over there on On3. It's very detailed. Um, it's a it's a easy read and very um very informative 
they go into impermissible contact versus impermissible offers. And the, the memo goes on to further explain what will constitute an impermissible contact, offer, and benefits. Um, and that's going to, depending on how you interpret that, that should make a lot of universities kind of nervous. And right now I'm looking at you, Florida. I'm looking at you, Miami. Yeah. Texas A&M, Louisville. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes in NIL right now. Uh, as Basically, there's a quote in the story. It says, it's hard to believe that this type of activity has not been occurring. Additionally, there are likely instances where staff members were very much directly involved in contacting prospects to discuss specifics about potential NIL deals. Um, so if a staff member is using a booster or an NIL collective as a go-between, that's going to be deemed as a violation. That's going on all the time. This is happening all over the place uh, with high school recruiting, but it, it happened before, it's happening now, but now it's legal. So the NCA, I don't know how they're going to do it. Look, they're either going to have to hire more people to track this stuff, or they're either just going to have to let it go because um, it's going to be impossible to enforce. So they should just let it go, kind of like they used to do with Nick Saban in Alabama back before NIL was legal, before everything was above board, right? All right. Man, what a quick show. That episode is in the books. What a cool what a cool Monday, though, man. We went over a lot of stuff. You got your defensive help, Alex Grinch, Bookie Bradley Hiles, new GA. Hopefully that'll help out. What else did we talk about in this episode? Recruiting. Big time recruiting weekend over the weekend. Did USC convince 2024 quarterback to maybe uh, commit? We'll find out soon. And then NIL stuff again. Nice show. We'll have more for you on Locked on USC again tomorrow because we come at you five days a week. But don't forget to take a – make sure you go check out Locked on College Basketball every day after you're checking out Locked on USC because they have everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, you're going to hear from big-name experts, insiders, coaches, and the players. All right. I'll be back again with another episode. Until then, you know what to do.